Hi, fancy meeting you here. I'm Ashley Jansen. I'm a firewife, a boy mom, a dog mom, and a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. Life is often a beautiful mess, and in the midst of struggle, it's nice to know we're not alone. I hope to meet you where you are, providing hope and encouragement while giving you raw and authentic stories from my own life. I'm excited you're here. Hi, today I'm going to be talking about um, a topic that I titled How I Stumbled Across My Own Birth Trauma. And this is something that uh, I just felt led to share. It is my own narrative experience. So I will uh, include a disclosure that if, if you've experienced birth trauma that you're aware of, um, my story could be triggering. And so taking that into account before you continue listening to this podcast episode, um, because I will be referring to my own experience. So just keeping that in mind. Uh, so I titled this how I stumbled across my own birth trauma because I truly stumbled across my own birth trauma. Uh, I, in the spring of 2019, was uh, about four months away from the birth of our second baby, and I was excited to take a continuing education course um, from a local therapist who is a colleague of mine who's been in a supervisor role for me um, and just someone I really admired uh, and do admire in this field of birth trauma. And my, after struggling with infertility um, and, and going through that journey, combining that with the love that I have to see people heal, I have really uh, embraced and taken a huge interest and passion in working with women and new mamas who are experiencing uh, perinatal mental health issues, some postpartum experiences, and helping them process and grow through that. So... I didn't even think that my own experience could be triggered by taking this class. So it was a two-part class back in the spring, and I was so excited to see just kind of the information. I love learning about new things and just kind of absorbing all of that. And I remember listening to this therapist speak on the symptoms uh, that a lot of people who have experienced uh, birth trauma kind of comparing those to, you know, someone who has postpartum or excuse me, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and, and birth trauma and kind of the, the, the decision tree around what, what would that diagnosis look like? And I remember as I continued to listen that I had a somatic experience and my body was remembering as I heard her talk about birth trauma. She validated my postpartum experience in a matter of an hour and a half. And as I continued to listen, I was really trying hard to compartmentalize so that I can kind of get through this for the purpose of like, I really want to learn about this from a professional place. But personally, I didn't realize how impactful the birth of my first child was. And so following the, 
that part one of that webinar, I started to write and journal about my experience. And through that, I unknowingly stumbled across something that I thought was resolved. And so I'm going to share with you the experience of, of my birth trauma. And granted, there are people out there that have probably experienced a, a more intense birth trauma or it's just different. Um, but for me, this was really uh, a traumatic experience. And when you are having your first experience, you really don't know what to expect. Um, but this certainly wasn't on my radar. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, it was true that my first labor with my baby, um, my first baby was, I would categorize it as difficult or challenging. Uh, it was about 40 plus hours to be exact. Um, but it wasn't just the time or the amount of time that made that difficult. Uh, I went into the idea of the birth of our child and having a birth plan just very open um, at you know 32 weeks or whatever they give you this piece of paper and you're supposed to check these boxes and what you want what you don't want kind of your wishes and I already knew from a place of being a therapist how important it is to kind of go into something like that with an open open mind um, knowing that there's so many variables and things can change. Um, I would also say that having gone through infertility, that kind of taught me to uh, stop trying to be such a control freak. And I was going into labor with those same intentions. I was excited about, you know, what that was going to look like. I made a, I made a, a playlist of, you know, kind of different songs that really helped me get into a calm and focused place. Um, there's pictures of me, you know, in the early stages of sitting on a ball and, you know, being able to talk and just have this really beautiful experience. And I remember sitting there going, okay, if this is what labor is going to be like, then sign me up. I, I can definitely do this. Um, so my water had broke in the middle of the night and um, that was something that I had hoped for because, you know, in the classes that you take, they tell you that it's like 10% of women have their water break. And so when that happened, you know, I was really excited. It was in the middle of the night. It was very Hollywood-esque. Um, and so I, we checked into the hospital uh, and I was kind of ready to see if I could do this unmedicated. So I spent the first 16 hours of labor unmedicated and feeling like a champion, feeling like I could do anything. And the problems in my labor started to kind of begin as the back labor I was experiencing intensified and the pain was increasing. I tried every intervention possible, um, kind of a graduated intervention experience. And <clears throat> I remember in the final stages of my uh, unmedicated labor, I kind of got to the point where none of that was helping or it was making me sick. 
and I asked for an epidural. And I remember the nurse who was on my service at the time looking at me like, I don't know, there's just something about her that she looked at me with such disappointment, like I had failed or, and so that was kind of the narrative that I adopted um, in that moment. And obviously this is all in hindsight, but she just seemed like she was angry with me. And as a people pleaser, that is not ideal. Um, I would say a recovering people pleaser, but we don't want people to be angry with us. So, you know, the truth is in hindsight, that was my decision. It was my labor, my baby, my body. It was my decision. Uh, but I, I internalized that. And so once I got my epidural, I was really hoping for a different experience. I was uncomfortable and, um, the epidural experience in itself was uncomfortable, but I was really, uh, hopeful that this would help, uh, kind of, uh, change the, the course of my labor. And once I got my epidural, it only worked on one part of my body. So, uh, the right side of my body and, but meanwhile, my labor was continuing to progress and that back labor was intensifying. And so they were doing everything they could to try and get the epidural, you know, to kind of work and having me lay on one side, you know, to allow the medication to kind of drift over to the other and nothing was working. And meanwhile, they're having doctors come in and check and, you know, it was eight and a half centimeters dilated and 100% effaced at one point. And I remember these doctors and midwives coming in and they're like, you're going to have this baby while I'm here. And, um, but then time just kept going on and that wasn't happening. And there was a period of time where there was about a three to four hour stretch where I wasn't checked at all by a doctor. And meanwhile, they're still trying to adjust my epidural and giving it an opportunity to work on that side that was just kind of untouched and nothing was happening. And I remember during this three to four hour period, uh, the nurse that was on my service, which was a different nurse, because uh, once you get an epidural, they have a completely different set of people that you're kind of interacting with. Um, she had come in and started adjusting the Pitocin, which they had put me on because even though my water broke, uh, I was just having really irregular contractions. And I remember her cutting it down in half. So um, I'm not sure of the medical terminology, but we went from 20 to 10. And I'm not a medical expert or anything, but I don't, in hindsight, don't understand the reasoning behind this decision. She would come in and say things like, I'm, I've decided to cut your Pitocin down or to, to draw it back. I think you can only get so much. Um, but the problem with that is that honestly, in that three to four hour period where I hadn't seen a doctor and this nurse is adjusting this medication, it kind of halted my labor. And so at that point, my water had broke. It had been over 24 hours. I was getting antibiotics um, because they said that I had a mild fever and I, they were trying to prevent infection. Once your water breaks, that's something that's kind of on their radar. And I remember this nurse, uh, t- 
telling her relief nurse, because she was going to take a break, that I was being treated for sepsis. And I remember Claire Isabel, her standing on the right side of the bed, and she was talking to this nurse about me in front of me. Like I wasn't involved in the conversation, and I don't know if what you know about sepsis, but it's never a good word. Um, it's, you know, sepsis can be fatal. So there was never really any mention of that, but all I could think about is, you know, they were just trying to, to, to do things that were preventative. And so I came to a point in my experience where the labor was no longer progressing and a doctor or midwife, I think it was a midwife, finally came in and said, you know, it's been a while. This is where we're at. You've done a great job so far, but we need to do a C-section. I remember that moment as clear as a bell. I just trying to digest that news Obviously, I wanted my baby to be safe, and, I, and it's amazing that he was never in any distress throughout this whole experience, but I felt like a part of me had failed. You know, I went into this so open-minded and so welcome to any experience, and I still was going to end up in the OR, and I just remember just that silent hard cry into my pillow and there were a room full of people. I should have been able to do this. Like I kept saying, I should have been able to do this. Why couldn't I do this? And it triggered feelings around how we even got to this place. And it put me back into that same space of when we couldn't get pregnant and that's the thing about infertility is it does some crazy things to your self-esteem and the way you feel about yourself. And so that was triggered because my body wasn't responding to the labor. And so they brought all the consent forms in. Uh, this was about 245, 230, 245 on a, on a Monday and in the afternoon. I was in the worst pain ever because my labor is still progressing and I only have medication on one side of my body. So they bring you all these consent forms in to sign. And, you know, they tell you like worst case scenario because they have to, like there's all of these like liability logistics and you're in the worst pain of your life. Like you're literally signing and consenting to major surgery in the worst pain of your life. And but it was it was getting worse. And so once they signed the forms, all the doctors and surgeons and everybody came in and they said, you're going to be heading to the OR around 2.53 o'clock uh, and you're going to meet your baby. And so everybody kept saying, you get to meet your baby. You finally get to meet your baby. And I was clinging to that because after all, we didn't know the gender. Um, and this was, we'd been waiting for this moment to bring a child into this world for years and they came in they unhooked me from machines they removed um, my epidural uh, because I'd be getting a different pain management style um, I needed a spinal block and I remember feeling fearful about that because I'm like 
if the epidural didn't work, how do I know that this other, you know, type of pain management is going to work? And they reassured me that I'd be fine. And so I was given some medication they thought would help take the edge off until I got back into the OR at three o'clock. And at that time, I also got a new nurse because shift change. And I'll never forget her. She had dark hair. She had uh, dark glasses. She, her name was Jennifer. And she would play a huge role in, as my biggest advocate going into the next hour and a half. Yes, I said hour and a half. Uh, so this was at three o'clock and I was not taken back into the OR um, until about 4.20, um, probably 4.15. And I was completely unmedicated for an hour and a half. And I remember at one point on this, on my side crying and just just in so much pain, just saying, this is completely fucked up. I don't say things like that. And so I remember looking at my mom and my brother and, you know, my, my people were in the room. And I just remember saying, like, how could this happen? Like, why is this happening to me? And so I was in full-blown back labor without any medication and Jennifer's on the phone and she's literally kicking some butt with her words and trying to figure out, I mean, they were basically saying an OR wasn't ready and they were waiting for the floors to be mopped and waiting for a baby nurse. Um, there was a lot that happened in that short window of time. Uh, I remember at one point being kind of run down a hallway to the OR in just the most incredible pain of my life and my husband wasn't there because they take you back and get you ready and then they bring him in it was whoo the tears come because it was just it's so it's still such a um raw experience even this this many years later um but I will say at 429 on that Monday my son was born and he was beautiful and he was perfect and was never in distress and just an absolute miracle so that was kind of part one into my birth trauma and I remember throughout that whole experience, just kind of absorbing these little moments that felt, didn't feel right. They didn't feel um, like they should be happening, but I absorbed it. And, um, you know, they say when you are feeling uh, anxiety, you have that fight, flight, freeze experience. And I would say that I pretty much froze. Like it felt almost paralytic to and not, not know what to do in those experiences. Because again, this is your first experience. You're like, okay, well, I guess this is how it goes. And so I would say that I would argue that the second part of my birth trauma was this, the piece once he was here and I didn't get to see him right away. Uh, typically that's not the case unless there's some sort of medical reason why 
um, like he should have been brought over and put on my chest because I requested skin to skin and, uh, my C-section was pretty routine. They didn't consider me an emergency, uh, which is funny because I was in like excruciating pain. They took us to recovery and did all the newborn things. I, I remember holding him for a brief period of time, um, and then they grabbed him to kind of do some other things. You know, they do all the vitals and, and check all the things. And I remember my husband leaving to go tell all the people that had toughed out those 40 plus hours that we had a little boy. So there, there was a moment where I was alone and with the baby. And I do remember feeling like I could take a breath. and uh, But I still was just kind of out of it. Um, it had been a very, very long road. And so we were, once we were done with recovery, we were taken to our room and I was in this immediate state of being asked questions by, you know, our postpartum nurse. And you're just kind of in this, you kind of shuffled along almost like on a conveyor belt. And I felt like I was in this state of new parent euphoria like this intersection of like, this is the greatest day of my life and what the hell just happened to me. And family and friends came, everybody came in. Uh, my in-laws had been there for a couple of days and they had to quickly leave. And, you know, just like kind of this rush of, you know, everybody wants to see the baby. And, you know, people came in, we took pictures and the room was, once everybody left, the room was quiet and I was just exhausted. And I, it didn't, it took me uh, like a while to get through, through that. And um, I would argue that that kind of triggered some postpartum anxiety. And um, that's something I'll talk about in another episode, but I had no idea that this was a part of my story. And, um, till I took this class, till I sat and listened to how I should be evaluating and, uh, kind of look things to look for in my clients, um, to help in the diagnosis of their trauma. I didn't realize I had my own. And I remember, you know, three or four days after we got home, I remember the baby was sleeping and he was in the bassinet next to me. And I remember like being able to kind of process a little bit with my husband and talk about how scary that was and that experience and how thankful I was to God that he protected our son and, um, you know, I know people go through really terrible things in their labors, and um, but this was my story, and I remember being able to talk talk through that with him. And so, imagine my surprise when I am in the midst of a continuing education course, and all of a sudden, I'm re- kind of reliving this experience. And granted. I was getting ready to give birth to our second miracle baby. So obviously labor was on my mind. Um, we had already opted for a, um, 
a C-section um, to try to eliminate some of the chaos that happened the first time around. And, but this kind of opened up this whole other area, which is, you know, um, I had, they had some concerns over my blood sugar and it was higher, but I wasn't considered a diabetic and, but they wanted to kind of treat me as a diabetic. And I remember just feeling so almost angry that here they are telling me all these things, even though I don't, I'm not classified as a diabetic or having gestational diabetes. Um, but to make a long story short, I, after having, having gone through this, um, realization, I realized that what I was experiencing was distrust of the system and that even though I was able to, to share with my doctor at my six week postpartum visit, um, everything that had happened, I really still hadn't really processed through that birth trauma. Um, because so much of what everyone was telling me is that this was a normal experience and maybe some parts of it were, and though, you know, I would argue that my, the birth of my second baby was absolute perfection. Um, but I kind of almost invalidated my own feelings because I convinced myself that what I went through the first time around was normal. And so maybe you're listening to this and you've had your own experience with birth trauma and maybe you have kind of tossed it aside like, well, birth is really hard and my birth was really hard and that's just kind of the way that it is. I'm here to tell you that what came out of acknowledging my birth trauma and processing through it was me being able to have the voice. Remember how I said a little bit ago that in this experience, I almost felt like I couldn't, I couldn't talk. Like I was just absorbing all these things that were happening. I wasn't able to advocate for myself the way that I would tell someone to advocate for themselves. Like I would teach that in, in my professional life. But what came out of this experience of learning or kind of stumbling across my own birth trauma story is that I was then able to go into the second round of getting ready to have our second baby and say to my doctor, like, that can't happen again. And I get that there's extenuating circumstances, but like, I was able to have a voice and I can't tell you how empowering that was for me. Um, It was very healing. It was very, because like I said, I had felt like I had kind of a distrust of the system and my doctor was so understanding and so just kind of allowed me to share. Um, 
And she also, in many ways, agreed that what happened the first time around, there were a lot of things that probably shouldn't have happened. But of course, she can't specifically say that to me. um, Because remember, we all kind of operate under this fear. Um, And so uh, that was something that kind of was a surprising uh, revelation after getting ready to take these these continuing education courses and and so I'm so thankful that I chose to do that as hard as that was um like I said I I what came out of it was a feeling of empowerment and feeling strong and feeling like I was aware I was awake I was um really proactive in ensuring uh, the best possible outcome for my second birth, which was, like I said, probably as close to perfection as possible. Um, so we we had scheduled the C-section. It was a scheduled C-section, uh, and my doctor was hopefully going to be able to to deliver the baby, and because she was going to be on shift that day, and. To make a long story short, that didn't end up happening. Um, my water broke a few days before I was scheduled to go in, um, but I my water broke at 5.30. We were at the hospital by 7.30, and by you know 10.49 uh, on a Sunday, our second son um, came into this world, and it was a beautiful experience. And I think so much of that was because I was able to make decisions and feel like I could take back um, that feeling of not being in control. And obviously I went into it with the same idea of like, we don't know all the variables, but here's what I'd like to see happen. And I really shared about the skin to skin. Uh, One thing I didn't mention was that um, no one... Uh, had encouraged me to start breastfeeding or helped me with my first baby until long after we were taken to our room and it was, you know, it had been probably six hours um, since he had come out. And so um, that was also something that was really kind of traumatic is because that was something that I had wished for. I filled out the form and no one was attentive to that and so that was something in the second time around I was just adamant about and it happened and it was beautiful and uh, we can't undo our experiences we can't go back and change what happened but I do think that there are moments of redemption and moments of healing And that allowed me to go into the second round feeling more confident Um, and feeling there was just such a huge sense of healing. And so I share that because there's so much that we deal with in in the postpartum experience and, you know, the the days following um, the birth of my first son there's a there's a lot of moments I don't remember, and I would say that I, you know, had a lot of postpartum anxiety, and 
that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, we, we often f- focus a lot more of our attention on postpartum depression, which is also a really debilitating experience for a new mom. Um, it's already hard. And so to add, you know, those pieces on top of it, it really kind of shakes your experience. And I think that's why I am just so passionate about partnering with my clients who are on that journey Um, especially ones that have been there before, um, they come to me and they are, Hey, this is what happened last time. How can we be proactive? And I would argue that that's probably where I like get so passionate about it is people who have been through an experience who have awareness around the things that happened and they're ready to be proactive as much as possible. We can't control everything, but as much as possible, because when we are aware of something and we call it out, it has less power over us. Um, and we are able to put things into place to keep us from kind of going back down, deep down, uh, where we were once before. And so that is uh, my postpartum experience and and um, like I said, I, I would love to talk further about um, perinatal m- mental health and um, just some of the, the things that are important to think about, um, but this is kind of what launched me into that space um, unknowingly, and so I'm thankful for that that course because it really highlighted this uh, unresolved, unhealed area of my life. Um, and so thank you so much for listening. Um, and if that's something that you find that you're struggling with, I would encourage you to reach out. There are a lot of uh, postpartum um, perinatal mental health, uh, birth trauma, uh, clinicians out there where they've been trained and that's a focus for them. Um, talking to your, your OBGYN or, uh, your doctor about that is also helpful. Um, but I, you don't have to hold it. You don't have to hold on to it. And if you are unsure as to whether or not that's something that you're dealing with, I would still encourage you to process through that. Uh, because like I said, I'm a clinician and I thought I had a resolved, yes, it was traumatic, but it felt resolved to me. And what I didn't realize is that it was kind of pushed aside uh, and it was unresolved. And so I would encourage you to reach out and talk to someone and um, because you deserve to heal. You deserve to have uh, a different ending to that narrative. So thank you for listening and make it a great day. You've been listening to the fancy meeting you here podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you loved it, the best thing that you can do is to share it with someone else who you think would love it too. You can also find me on Instagram at fancy meeting you here.